The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What took an engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to SEO Predictions Month on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to continue our month-long series covering some of the boldest SEO predictions for 2019. Okay, joining us for SEO Predictions Month is Harrison DeSantis, who is the Associate Director of SEO at 3Q Digital, which is a fully integrated digital marketing agency, which offers a suite of advertising, analytics, and business strategy services for some of the U.S.'s fastest-growing B2B, B2C e-commerce and lead gen companies. And today, Harrison is going to share some of his SEO predictions for the current year, 2019. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked-to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings, and AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. So here's our conversation with Harrison DeSantis, where he's going to give us his SEO predictions for 2019. Harrison, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Ben, thanks for having me. It's exciting to uh, have a partner of Search Metrics on the show. Also a brilliant uh, SEO marketer. So we're excited to hear a little bit about your predictions for what's going to happen in SEO land for 2019. But before we get there, just to catch everybody up, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your role, and what 3Q Digital does. Yeah. So 3Q Digital, as you kind of said at the beginning, is a full-service agency. We offer you know everything from you know paid search to CRO to analytics and to, to SEO. A little bit about myself. Um, I'm an associate director here. You know, I manage a team of account managers and people who uh, manage different accounts across e-commerce, tourism, and a bunch of other verticals. So you have a pretty wide view of 
the landscape. It sounds like uh, most of the businesses that you're working on are, are really content-centric businesses, mostly you know, e-commerce, lots of product listings, tourism, lots of travel destinations. Um, tell us a little bit about how you view what's going to happen in 2019. Yeah, so I have three pretty high-level predictions in terms of what's going to be important in 2019. Uh, one of those is I think that you know the importance of backlinks and content, the ceiling of those is going to be very much defined by mobile UX speed and uh, external references to your site, which is a conversation that I believe that you had with Jordan recently already. Um, but you know what I want to talk about is more through the lens of Rank brain rather than the vacuum that Google Plus is kind of created by you know Google moving beyond that service. Uh, another is around site security. Um, I believe that you know much like Google has done in the past, where it's slowly cracked down on the UX of non-secure sites. I believe that we're going to move to a territory where non-secure sites are just going to start getting moved off of the index or or de-indexed. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is less algorithm related, more but more uh, search industry related or uh, more topical related. Whereas I think that the voice search buzz that's recently, you know, kind of found revitalized life through, you know, the units being sold of, of Google Home and Amazon Echo devices and all home assistant devices. Um, I think we're going to start to realize what the ceiling is on you know, our ability to make an impact on those. And I think that we're going to tone it down a little bit with you know, how many opportunities are actually really there with home assistant device searches or non-screen searches. Okay, so there's a lot of ground to cover there. Let's, let's pick those off one by one. So the first, the first prediction you had was related to sort of the ceiling of backlinks and, and how your content and how mobile UX is going to affect all of that speed a whole bunch of stuff there. Tell us a little bit more about that first prediction. Yeah, so RankBrain's influence on how rankings are working right now has been really interesting because it's been really focused on anticipating what people are looking for and getting that in front of people. So um, in some studies that Searchmetrics has done, um, you know, dwell time is one thing that you know, we found to have a big impact. That top 10 results usually have a three-plus-minute dwell time uh, CTR is another thing. You know, if sites perform well in CTR, that tends to get them ranked a little bit better because these are both indications that it's something that people want. So this year, I think RankBrain is going to use that same method of using other factors to decide what people want to redefine how a site gets authority. In the past, it's been through links, right? A website gets cited a lot. Um, those references get rewarded because Google sees a lot of sites referring to a URL and that indicates that there's trust in it so that people want to see it. But I think that we're going to start moving away from that and that RankBrain and Google is going to look at you know, other factors beyond that um, that don't necessarily have to do with links. That's going to look at you know, maybe Facebook references, Twitter, um, you know, news outlets that talk about a brand, um, other publications that talk about the brand and the industry in a related context maybe search volume in general for the brand, maybe even direct traffic going to the site. But basically, the overall idea is that brand mentions is going to start to serve the same purpose that backlinks you know, were built to serve. And eventually, that's going to be used as a heavier factor than backlinks in general. So uh, mentions will be a better indicator of how in demand and how sought after a certain domain is and how you know, trusted it is and how often people want it. And RankBrain will want to give people, again, the resources that are the most popular and most in demand. So for the non-experienced SEOs, tell us a little bit about what RankBrain is and why you think there's going to be this change. Right. RankBrain is a machine learning algorithm that pretty much gathers a lot of data across the internet in terms of how users interact with the site, 
Um, it basically uses this to get away from like the old, you know, machinic indicators of, you know, how a site should be ranked that was just based on like content, authority, things like that. It's actually, you know, getting inside of the, the mind of users and seeing like how users interact with the site. It emulates what users are looking for and user activity to better make predictions on what users actually want. Okay. So, so RankBrain is essentially the machine learning platform that Google has built to be able to understand how to evaluate specific pieces of content. Yeah. And you're saying that that is going to be looking for factors like dwell time and click-through rate and basically you know, what the CTAs are of a specific piece of content as opposed to just trying to focus specifically about what the content on the page is. Right. It's almost as if it's surveying the internet and understanding conversationally, right? Because backlinks are very... There's an intent by them, right? Like people don't just organically put in backlinks. Like they are built in a way that are, you know, should look organic. Uh, because you don't want to just, you know, stuff backlinks and content, right? So they're, you know, they're implemented in a way that appears to be organic, but in reality, you know, they're kind of a, I guess, a calculated way to, you know, send equity to a site. And I think that what RankBrain is going to do is that it's going to put less weight on that because, you know, backlinks are very goal oriented to get, you know, to get a site better ranked. Instead, I think it's going to see, okay, this brand has you know, a lot of activity on Facebook, a lot of people talking about it on Facebook. It has a lot of people talking about it in the news. It has a lot of people talking about it. Uh, a lot of people visiting this domain directly. And I think that it's going to, you know, aggregate that in some way and understand that this source is something that people are more interested in. Like, even if they don't have like a crazy backlink strategy, like maybe people just didn't backlink to it a lot. They just didn't go with that strategy. But I think that RankBrain will move to the direction of putting more value in terms of the language surrounding a domain or language surrounding a brand rather than, you know, do they have a good backlink profile? You know, what's their page authority? What's their domain authority, etc. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing is as Google's machine learning capabilities uh, become more sophisticated, they're able to interpret multiple different factors outside of just external linking. I'm sure external linking will still have some value, it's just going to potentially be deprioritized a little bit as Google is able to take a broader view of some of the other factors that dictate whether a page is really something that's interesting. And like you mentioned, how much time on site, what is somebody doing when they're on that page? And then also, there's all of these other external factors that you mentioned other than linking, like what's happening on social media? What are some of the other prominent publications that are talking about a brand? Right. That's exactly right. And backlinks are still going to be a factor, right? Because it is still how Google is able to find and crawl a URL. It's not going to be able to do that just through mentions, but it will be able to understand the relationship between a domain and a brand name and uh, not solely depend on backlinks you know, to give that authority. And we're already seeing this year, right? That, you know, with spammy backlinks, I think John Mueller said something earlier this year about, oh, spammy backlinks, you don't really, you know, we're already filtering those out, right? Like we're already like not paying attention to that. So I think that it's going to move more to that direction of just backlinks in general. Like, you know, we're not going to pay as much attention to, you know, the authority that's coming from those. It's still going to be used. But I think that in terms of where the importance is and where the future is, and this might not be, you know, in 2019, exactly. But I think that, you know, this is the direction that it's going to go in, that the weight of backlinks is going to start to decrease in favor of rank brain external factors. 
So as the value of your backlinks decrease, what do you suggest SEOs do to continue to show Google that there is value in their content? Right. So I think that this strategy goes outside of SEO, right? It's the whole brand. I think it's, you know, it has to do with how active you are on Facebook and Twitter, how how interesting your brand is, like what you're doing and how you can generate interest outside of, you know, building content. Like if you can get conversations going about you through, um, you know, through influencer marketing or through, you know, other, you know, channels talking about you, but not necessarily always sending links back to you. Um, I think that, you know, just getting in conversations and, and being active with your brand outside of just your own website and linking to your website is really going to be the key. Just thinking about your site outside of, you know, as an SEO and more of a person trying to get it as uh, visual and as, um, as talked about as possible. Yeah, I think that, you know, my takeaway from this conversation is that SEOs out there, go hang out with your social media manager and talk to them about the pages that are your top priority page and get them to start sharing them in social and starting to have more conversations around whatever your SEO priorities are, because those conversations are going to be increasingly important as you know, backlinks are potentially deprioritized. Let's move on to your second prediction. You mentioned, you know, something about site security and how Google is going to prioritize or deprioritize non-secure or de-index even non-secure sites. What's your prediction there? Yeah, so Google has an interesting history with HTTPS, and I think it's following a certain trend that we've somewhat seen before with mobile. I think in 2014, Google announced that hey, if you're on HTTPS, you get a rankings boost, right? Um, And if we look at the timeline since then, things start to get interesting in 2017. Um, In April 2017, Moz had a case study showing that 50% of page one results were HTTPS. Um, A month later, SEMrush had a different case study saying that 31% of all domains were on HTTPS. So already right there, 50% of page one real estate is taken up by 31% of domains. Granted, there's a little bit of a bias there because sites like Amazon that have, you know, a lot of real estate are secure. So there, you know, it's not really a one-to-one mapping that way, but it is still somewhat indicative, I think. Um, then in September 2017, Google implements the not secure warning for sites with form fills. Then last year, Google implements the not secure warning for all sites in Chrome, right? If you're not secure right now, it's going to have that ugly not secure thing that shows up there. Uh, so Google's always encouraged sites to adopt encryption. And I think it makes sense for them to continue this trend just by saying, hey, we want Google to be completely secure and we no longer want to index non-secure pages. Um, And then much like they did with the non-secure warnings, I think they're going to start out with pages that are probably e-commerce or have form fills or something like that. Um, And that, I think, is something that's possible to happen in 2019 for them to at least say, if you are an e-commerce or form fill site that is not secure, we're going to begin de-indexing these unless you migrate. But then I think by 2020, I think that Google's going to come in hot with full security and it just won't index sites that are no longer in HTTPS. No, I think to me, this is more of the same from what Google is doing, trying to you know, protect the user experience, making sure that the listings that they're surfacing are going to be secure. And it actually gets into some of the predictions that Jordan and I discussed in our SEO predictions week in that as there's more scrutiny on Google in terms of their data collection, their privacy, and you know how they're impacting how users' data is protected, 
you know, prioritizing the sites that are secure seems to fit into that message. You know, the government is potentially going to shine a spotlight on how Google's user experience and how they're protecting data. And so then prioritizing secure sites and continuing to do so and taking the next step makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's a very timely issue right now with everything from like the 2016 election to stories that came out last year in Forbes about, um, you know, Google accounts getting hacked, even though those are secure. Um, I think that, you know, if nothing else, it could also be a wise PR move for Google to be able to say like, hey, everything on Google is encrypted and everything is secure. And then beyond that too, I also think that this type of trend has a lot in common with what we saw with um, how Google started treating mobile. So back in April 2015, um, with the mobile-friendly update, you know, Google came out and said, hey, if you have a mobile-friendly site, you're going to get a boost, right? Now that's not really the case anymore. Now a mobile-friendly site doesn't give you a boost anymore. It's a prerequisite. So I think that HTTPS, I can see that moving the direction of you know, the same type of direction, where at first it was HTTPS, oh, it's going to give you a boost, like we want everyone to be secure. Then in the future, it's going to be, no, this is a prerequisite. Everyone needs to be secure in order to be served on this engine. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. So I think the takeaway here is pretty clear, is that you need to go make sure that your site is secure. I guess what I'd ask you in terms of advice for SEOs is as you're making the transition, if you haven't already from HTTP to HTTPS, what advice do you have for SEOs moving their content along to a more, a more secure protocol? Yeah, I would just recommend that everyone have their processes in order first. Um, here at 3Q, we have a very vigilant checklist that we go through for any type of migration that requires URL change. Uh, a protocol change counts as that uh, because an HTTP and HTTPS site are technically two different sites. Um, you know, every, any little URL change counts as a uh, as a full URL change. So here at 3Q, we have that process. You know, we have these processes to make sure that we take full inventory of pages. Um, to make sure that we have, you know, every redirect in line. Um, basically, the whole idea of it is is to make sure that you have like a checklist going in beforehand, so that you know you don't leave pages behind, so you don't create a lot of um, you know internal errors within your site. 
Um, you don't have any type of performance change that happens as a result of the secure migration. Making sure you have a valid certificate, just all the little things that, you know, I think that there's a lot of resources out there in terms of like what type of checklist to follow, but basically following some type of process, making sure you have a game plan ahead of time. And in addition to that, also having, you know, correct expectations around HTTPS. Um, sometimes people migrate to HTTPS and expect like, oh, we're going to get a rankings boost now. Usually you actually see a traffic decline because all of your URLs have changed and they have to regain that equity that was on the old uh, version of the URLs. So I would also, you know, make sure that you have your processes in order and make sure you have your expectations in order in terms of what this is actually going to do. Um, it might end up in a short-term loss of some kind, but in reality, it's going to be a long-term gain in terms of what Google is going to be heading towards. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things to consider. One, if you don't know how to do the site migration, go find somebody like 3Q that does. There's plenty of checklists uh, available. We're going to give you some site links to help you get in touch with 3Q if you need them in the outro of this episode. But there's a decision to make whether you're going to move all of your content at once or whether you're going to batch some things and start doing the migration. I think the safe way to do it is you take a little portion of your site and you move it and you see what the effect is and make sure that you get it right. But if you move everything all at once, expect a decline in your performance in terms of SEO in the short term as Google evaluates the changes to your URL and a long-term spike and make sure you're communicating that to your leadership. Let's talk about your last SEO prediction related to voice search. You mentioned that the ceiling is going to be realized. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so voice search has always been pretty buzzy ever since it was introduced, what, about 10 years ago now, Siri? Um, so there's a renewed buzziness around it right now because of Home Assistant products and the fact that the units of those getting sold is growing, right? I think that there's about like 10 million to 10, 15 million that are shipped per quarter. Um, so, you know, there's a revitalized interest in voice search because it's an available function in a lot of these devices. And, you know, we're always seeing these stories of, oh, voice search is more important than ever because there are technically more ways to access them before because there are more devices that offer it. Um, before I get into this, um, one caveat I want to throw in there is that I do think that voice search on mobile is still really valuable because that actually gives you, you know, listed results. It gives you some type of SERP that forces you to choose from options. So as I talk about this, I don't want people to walk away this thing like, oh, voice search, you know, voice search isn't valuable. I do think that mobile voice search or screened voice searches, as I call them, are still really valuable. But um, if you look under the hood for non-screen voice searches, so you know, home assistant voice searches, uh, I think we're all going to start to understand how limited the impact of succeeding in voice search is. So first of all, a lot of these assistants are mostly task-oriented, right? They're used to set your alarm, to, you know, to turn off your lights, to play music. Most commands going into a home assistant aren't really SEO related to begin with, right? Um, but for those searches that are SEO related and are informational based, chances are they're going to be very informational and very casual. You know, um, how many movies has Morgan Freeman been in? How many calories are in a chicken thigh versus a chicken wing? I, you know, when what was the score of the game yesterday? What was the score of the game? When's MLK Day this year, right? Um, and answers to those are going to be read off of snippets, right? Um, so say you achieve that snippet, say that you are a, I don't know, a supplement company and you achieve the snippet for how long should you take weight loss supplements? And that snippet gets read on Google Home. Um, on a screen device, when they get that snippet, 
they have the opportunity to click into the listing and get more information. On a home assistant, are you really going to ask Google to read the whole article or ask Google to you know, send the article to your phone so you can read it later or have the SERP saved so you can review your options later on another device? Uh, no, I've never seen anyone do that. Uh, no one's really digging under the hood for any of these results on home search devices. Uh, they get an answer and they move on. So you know, on top of that, it's reading a snippet at the end of the day, right? And reading a snippet doesn't even count for a click for all we know right now. The benefit of getting a snippet in Google is that the idea is that you know, someone might click into the site and it might cause some brand awareness. But you know, it's not like you're getting equity from you know, having a home assistant read that snippet that's you know, scraping from the internet. So you know, as far as I see it, that's basically snippet optimization. And that's a strategy that's already existed from before home devices and is basically the same thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you know, in SEO communities, there's a little bit of voice search mania right now. And if I'm thinking about this from the voice search manufacturers, if I'm Amazon, Google, and Apple, I'll even throw Microsoft in there if you want. Uh, I, you know, there's the idea of walk, jog, run. Yeah. And to me, it's like you know, the voice device manufacturers have already walked, right? They've figured out and validated that there is a market for the voice search device. Now they are jogging. And to me, they are absolutely focused on distributing the devices as widely as they possibly can. So you're seeing a proliferation of different types of devices, right? Google and Amazon, a little less for Apple. They're trying to develop you know, your wall clock, your refrigerator being voice enabled all these different placements for these devices to have what you you know devices that you can talk to they're not necessarily focused on what the user experience is beyond just giving you answers to surface level questions and so from an SEO perspective there isn't a ton of value right now in my opinion you're going to get an awareness and a, a branding play by being in position zero, by having your snippet, by being voice enabled. But there is no actionable conversion metric through voice search yet. I totally believe that that's going to happen. And maybe that's a 2020 thing. Or maybe you know the device manufacturers stay in scale mode for a while. But it just doesn't seem to be a priority for the device manufacturers and specifically not for Google right now of going beyond, we're going to answer your question to we're going to answer your question and allow you to ask supplemental questions. That's going to be down the road. Yeah. And I think that all depends on a product change, right? If Google says, you know, Google reads you a snippet and then says, has an option to like, oh, do you want to read the whole article? Or do you want me to send this to your device to read later? I think that things could be interesting if there was a product change like that. But that's highly speculative, and I don't imagine that there is like a demand for that. So I don't see that happening. I mean, these are all, these are predictions, so they're all speculative by nature. But I agree with you. I don't think that that's going to be a priority. If if I'm Google, my head is distributing Google Voice and the Google Assistant everywhere I possibly can, and that's something that's going to take more than a year. And you're starting to see that. You know, they're opening the APIs to allow the Google Assistant to be integrated into other places, and. I, that's just something that's going to take them more than a year as opposed to focusing on adding increased utility to the service they already have. Maybe there's some changes. I just don't think it's a priority. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I think that one area that could be up for debate and could be interesting is e-commerce. Um, you know, People sometimes do the, um, Hey Google, add more toothbrush heads to my shopping list or something like that. Um, but even with those types of queries, 
the user usually has an Amazon account synced, right? So it's not just ordering from random websites with your billing information. So I do think that there could be an opportunity with um, with Amazon optimization. And uh, my colleague, Brittany Page, actually just wrote a really good article in Search Engine Land about Amazon optimizations in 2019 that I encourage people to read. But I think that that could be interesting. You know, we're thinking about Amazon optimizations, but um, aside from a synced vendor like Amazon, no one's blindly saying like, hey, Google, order me a red flannel shirt without looking at it, looking at reviews, comparing pricing and doing all these things that are a visual part of the shopping experience. So I do think e-commerce, you know, there is some, there is some part of that in there that's interesting for, you know, Amazon searches specifically. But even that, I think, is limited. It's just not worth focusing on right now. And you know, one of the things that we talked about in a couple previous episodes were, you know, the balance of focusing on voice search or mobile. And to me, optimizing your experience for mobile and your content for that, you know, kind of kills two birds with one stone. Where you're, you know, optimizing to have content that's read on a smaller device, and generally that leads to shorter formats of content, which also can help you get into voice search. I would much rather see SEOs focus their efforts on optimizing their experiences to be mobile friendly than focusing on how do I get into voice search. That's going to be a problem for basically the next decade. We will get there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And like I was saying, whatever strategy you come up with voice search, I think is basically just snippet optimization phrased a different way. So you know, we might as well just focus on snippet optimization. Let's just call it that. You know, Voice search, it's fun, it's shiny, it's exciting, it's new technology. But in the end, as far as bottom line goes, right, it's potential to get you conversions or leads or brand awareness. I don't think it has much opportunity to make an impact there unless there is a big product change. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that voice search is the future. It's just not the immediate future. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So Harrison, before we let you go, any resources that you suggest that the audience of the Voices of Search podcast listen to? Anything where anything that you or 3Q have put together that can help provide value in 2019? Yeah, in relation to the Amazon optimization search, uh, my colleague Brittany Page just put together a nice article in Search Engine Land um, regarding how to get indexed in Amazon or how to rank in Amazon search in 2019. I encourage people to check that out. Um, And if what I said about site migration resonates with anyone or you're considering getting a site migration done, um, or if you're interested in talking about any of these topics that we talked about today, um, head over to 3qdigital.com and get a hold of us and and we're happy to um, point you in the right direction. Okay. Well, Harrison, I appreciate the time. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Harrison DeSantis, the Associate Director of SEO at 3Q Digital. If you'd like to learn more about Harrison, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Uh, You could send him a tweet at H underscore D-E-S-A-N-T-I-S. Or you could visit his company's website, which is 3QDigital.com. That's the number 3QDigital.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O.
And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions, or if you want to talk about this podcast, you can find my contact information in our show notes, or you can send me a tweet at Ben J. Shap. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed next week with more SEO predictions for 2019. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this show and you're feeling generous, we'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data.